seven days a week, 24 hours a day, live, radio contact. week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Pax and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devil. Joining the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? Hey, Rob. You okay, mate? How's your week been, mate? Very good. Very good weekend. was excellent after the uh, the, the victory at Headingley and uh, no, uh, dined out on that for a few days and uh, no, really enjoyed that last week at Headingley. So we're looking forward to this week now and uh, Busy week at work, but I'm looking forward to a day off on Friday and then uh, the match against Ulkaya. So everything's good at my end, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, good. Went uh, Did me training. Started training again at the gym. Late night training. Shins are blown up, though, this morning. Got flat feet. Flat feet, you see, Paul. So, you know, can't do too much uh, high-impact sort of training on my knees blow up. So, usually do bikes and stuff like that. So I'm not, you know, pounding the streets, as it were, but... Decided yesterday that I'd chance it and had a bit of a run on the old running machine, but paying for it this morning, paying for it. Yeah, it's pay- running's painful. I, I do quite a bit of road running for my training, and uh, it's a lot of impact on your knees. Somebody told me a, a while ago that uh, when you're running, particularly on a, like an, an hard surface like the road, I think this it's like so many times your body weight goes through your legs. You know, every time you you put your foot down, so it can't be good for your knees. That kind of so, um, so no, I, I don't do as much running as, as I used to do because uh, there's there's better ways of uh, doing cardio. To be honest, like like uh, you know, going on the, the bike and things like that. So, I don't think running's all it's cracked up to be. Mate. No, no. So, obviously, day off today. Thought I'd rest me rest me weary body and maybe go tomorrow. I need to get back to my fighting weight. You see, doctor's back on me back. You see, trying to you know get me fit again. Do you know I fancy doing a bit of swimming? Swimming's pretty good for your um, V cardio on that. Yeah, might be an option. Might be an option. Do like do like swimming. Um, it's a lot less less impact on your body, but you're still working on your muscles. You say. Yeah, yeah, it might be an option for me. Like say your leisure centre or something like that. Just nip in there, can't do a bit of swimming. Sounds like a decent mm-hmm. plan. Um, how's your fight training going? You've got a fight lined up or? Yeah, it's the it's the first of November or the second. I think it's the Friday. I think it's the first. But yeah, it's all good. All good. Thanks, mate. I'm, uh, I train every week anyway. Sparring on Saturdays and sometimes in, in the week, do two two days of sparring. Uh, plenty of plenty of training as well. So in the, in the week's busy. I don't get there as much as I'd like to with work and everything. But weekend I usually get in twice. So so yes, yeah, all all doing good. I'm, I've not gone up in weight. I'm round about the same. So. I've not, I, didn't, I didn't stop training from my last fight, really. I've, I've just stayed in the gym and ticked over when I can, so I don't really, you know, blow up between fights. I don't drink, so I'm usually around about the, the same weight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, there's only one person who's gone up in weight in the last 12 months, and it's not you. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> if you know me, but I accept that, and I, I, it won't be long. I don't think, when I get into the swing of things, I think I'll be, I'll be skinny again. Well, thin. Yeah, you'd be fine, mate. It's just it's just an habit, isn't it? You know, keeping it up and 
and uh, you, you find and that once you get in the routine of it, especially with your training and that, you, it's uh, it falls off. You don't hit the weight once you get into it. Yeah. So enough about my healthy lifestyle. Um, let's uh, look forward to what's on this week's podcast, Paul. We've got uh, the review of the Leeds game. We've got interviews with George Griffin, uh, Greg Burke, and Gil Dudson. All the big news coming out of Salford Devils this week. We've got Ian Watson in coach's corner. We've got your amateur report. Uh, and then we're going to preview the game against uh, Hawkington Rovers on Friday night. Sounds like a plan. It sounds a good show to me. And uh, you know, plenty of fallout from the Leeds game. And the, the interviews were, uh, were pretty good. I know you sent them to me on WhatsApp. And I was enjoying listening to them the other day. The players were uh, really excited, weren't they, about the victory anyway? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's start there uh, with our victory against uh, Leeds Rhinos on uh, Friday night. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. So, Salford Devils were victorious against Leeds Rhinos. They won 20 points to 12, Paul. A fantastic win uh, for Ian Watson's men uh, and putting the Headley hoodoo uh, behind them. Yeah, it certainly was, and it was, a, it was a tough display. And, I mean, to keep Leeds down to 12 points, I think... I've not checked the, the stats, but I think that's the least points we've conceded since 1974 when they beat us in a cup game 10-6, I think it was. So, you know, to keep Leeds to 12 points is it's a good, um, just shows the defensive effort that we've put in. But it was playoff pressure rugby league for me, that game. You know, it was a, it was a good night to, to play, you know, good pitch. And Leeds have got some good players, haven't they, you know, despite the them being below us in the table they've got quite a star-studded lineup, really so we had to be on our game to win that match and uh, I thought we played really well I thought we defended really well I thought we could have scored more points than we actually did we snatched at a few chances but we took that chance in the second half when it came but going back to the start of the game you know we got in front with an excellent try from higher levels and um, I thought we played some excellent stuff and you know Leeds um, I thought we taught Leeds a few lessons in, in that game Yeah obviously you know that first score from Evels kind of made by Jackson Hastings. Uh, you know, that's what, you know, Daniel Levels is all about. On your shoulder when he makes, when someone makes a break and finished it off. Fantastic try for him and put us in, uh, in good stead moving forward. Yeah, he did. And, and Jackson Hastings did a lot of hard work there. He sort of toyed with the, with the Leeds Rhinos defence, didn't he? He sort of ran across the, the field and shot through that gap and Daniel Levels was there in support like he always is, you know, to... To score, so it was a good try that, and uh, the the try after that was excellent ball movement. If you watch the the highlights, and you just see that it was a lovely tip on pass from Nia Levels to to Jake Bibby, and, you know, it was cutting Leeds to pieces there, and, and it was good value for a twelve 0 lead as well. Obviously, Leeds come back with a good try from uh, Richie Mile, but I thought the first half we we dominated it really. Yeah, a kick just on half time by Christian who put us fourteen six up, uh, Paul. And you know, at that point, what were you thinking? Do you think we were were you nervous of what, what could come? I was nervous, but I was excited as well because I, I thought, as I said, we dominated that first half and barring that that lapse in, in, in concentration for the for the Richie Myler try there, I think it was a missed tackle in the sort of centre field. Other than that, we'd we dealt with a lot. We had a lot of defending to do on our line and you know, we defended, you know, really, really well in that case. Scrambling defence was excellent. As was Leeds, though, Leeds did a lot of hard work as well. I thought both sides played really well. But um, I, I was I was confident we were going to get something out of the game, especially with the new popping that penalty goal over. It extended our lead to eight points. But then obviously at the start of the second half, it was about 10 or 15 minutes in, you know, veteran Jamie Jones Buchanan went over from that grubber kick from Brad Dwyer, 14 points to 12. And your heart's in your mouth then. And there was a point where we were attacking and the ball went out wide and Ash Hanley 
got an interception, but he dropped the ball. And my heart was in my mouth then, because I think if he'd have kept hold of that and, and scored there, it could have changed the game. So when he did drop that ball, I thought, you know, our, it could be our night this. Now our, our luck might be in here, because, you know, things like that, and they don't often happen to us. It's usually the, the bad luck that we get. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I was I was nervous right up until the final looter, to be honest. Yeah, I suppose when Jamie Jones Buchanan scored, you know, like you said, my heart went, my head, my head went in my hands, and I thought, here we go. Leeds Rhinos at home, the South Stand was rocking. And I thought, you know, this is a big, big test, this, you know, and, out and where we are. And to be fair, Leeds did have a goal, didn't they? But they didn't kind of like really put us under a mad amount of pressure, I thought. And I thought the boys weathered, weathered the, you know, the, the try-scoring storm, we'll, talk it, we'll call it, after Leeds scored. And then it was us sat on their line for, for sort of five or six sets, weren't it? And that was the kind of pressure moment for me that we tried to, we tried to get over the line. We tried a bit too hard. Like you talked about the interception uh, and one of the sets that, that got broke down. Um, but then obviously Leeds kept us out and our, our heads didn't drop, which is what I expected to happen. Because Leeds went up the, up, the, up the other end of the field. We kind of like traded sets with them, went back to the other end and scored. So that shows how, how far this team's come mentally, that they can knock on Leeds' door, not get the answer, and then obviously regroup, replenish and go again and get the score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there was a couple of little chances. You know, Jackson Aces had the ball kicked out of his hands, and I, I thought that that was a bit of an iffy decision. That looked like a professional foul to me, and he came close to scoring there. But we did seem to be like panicking a bit. We were trying a bit too hard to get over the line, like you say, and we were just desperate to get that. You know, that two score lead again at fourteen twelve. You know, trying a goal is going to kill the game off him. You know, after after Jones Buchanan scored, like you, you say there about the South Stand, you could feel a shift in momentum. The, the lead supporters were really up for that then. And you know, Salford sides of old have cracked there, have cracked there and let three or four tries and have got absolutely hammered. Haven't they been on the wrong end of our hammering? But we wasn't. We hung in there and uh, took our chances when it when it came. We had to keep knocking on the door, didn't we? But well, it was mighty relief when uh, when Joey Lussick went over. The atmosphere behind the, the sticks there was absolutely tremendous. You know, great following from the Salford supporters and. You know, it was uh, it was a special place to be. I was just underneath the scoreboard when Lossick went over, and uh, no, it was it was great. It was yeah. brilliant. Trademark scoop from him from from dummy half. You know, the the best thing about it, people, you know, teams know it's coming, but they can't do anything about it. It's such power, such pace, and like his body shape as well as he as he goes for the line. You know, it's very very difficult to defend against. He did well to get the ball down there as well. I can't remember the defenders that were around him. There was two or three defenders around him. They showed great upper body strength to get the ball down. There was no doubt in it as well. I saw the, the highlights on the Super League show. It was a great finish from him. And yeah, he's made those his, his trademark this season, hasn't he? And uh, he really did get us out of the hole there. And when Christian Inu popped that goal over, I think 20 points to 12, then I was quite comfortable. Then I thought, you know, for that last 10 minutes, we could we could hold leads out. And, uh, and we did. And I thought we thoroughly deserved the victory. And, you know, to go... Is it eight? Is it eight? Is that eight wins on the spin? Is it seven? Seven. On the seven. Spin. Seven. That ends it now. Yeah, seven. So to go seven on the spin, I think you know it's, it's a, tr- a tremendous run that we're on. Yeah, unfortunately, a flare was ignited behind the goal and, and thrown onto the terrace, then thrown onto the field. Not, we don't need that thing in rugby league, do we? It's you know it's back from the in the in the bit the bad old days, um, and obviously the club are investigating and they're going to obviously punish whoever uh, was involved. You don't. I don't really. I'm not really profess to be an expert on, on flares and techniques and, and what have you but I don't really know how dangerous they are so forgive my ignorance but I thought I thought it added to the atmosphere a bit but I suppose they are dangerous when there's there's kids there and things like that so you've got to be careful he's a bit silly to do that but just regarding it going onto the pitch who threw it onto the pitch did somebody throw it on the pitch to get it out of the stand so it was yeah. 
in a safe place because I thought that's the, probably the best thing to do because I saw some lead supporters moaning in the in the League Express or wherever it was on the online where I read it and it was saying they, they threw it on the pitch near the players. It was nowhere near the players. <laughs> they threw it into like a sort of bit of space and Josh Jones came over and tried to to stamp it out. I was having a laugh with Josh Jones. We saw him at the end of the game, didn't we? Say yeah. you did you did well there trying to put that that flare out, you know, stamping on it. But no, nobody got hurt. It was a silly thing to do, and you know, things happen, don't they? Sometimes in the excitement, I mean, we don't often win it, didn't they? But I'm not condoning it. Was was a daft thing to do, and you just got to be careful. I mean, especially rugby league, family sport, and you've got little kids and and people in the crowd. You can't be letting things off that's going to burn somebody. So, uh, so no, a bit of a daft thing to do. But you know, other than that, it was it was a great night, wasn't it? It didn't spoil the night, did it? It was just one isolated little incident. But I think the rest of the supporters had a great night. We took a massive follow in there as well I wouldn't like to say how many we took there but we certainly filled that that West Terrace and uh, you know, it was rocking there at the end and the scenes at the end of the match coming out of the ground I've seen some videos and that I saw them all singing and everybody wanted to be in on that video and dancing around and that so great atmosphere and this is this is what it needs you know to, to build our following and build our attendance you know these sort of wins and that people are going to want to join in the fun and, and jump on the, the, the bandwagon for want of a better word yeah it just kind of upsets me you see because all the the hard work the club have put in in the last few weeks and months, and then that kind of thing happens, and the the kind of the, the mainstream media just concentrate on that incident. And I was thinking to myself, just don't do it. And, you know, we're building this thing here, Paul, where you know we're making the right noises in the media, and people are starting taking notice. And then something like that happens, and it just cuts our legs out from under us a bit. Uh, but yeah, like said, the thing is with the media, though, Rob, the media in this country anyway, they always wait for a negative story to trap me down, don't they? They might say, oh yeah, Salford's a great story and all that, but the media absolutely love a drama, don't they? Mm-hmm. And they wait for you, for you to do something wrong. And same with football teams, isn't it? And stuff like that. They wait for a negative story, don't they? And, you know, they build you up to knock you down the media, don't they? And I saw some some negative stories and I think, why? why? Some Someone asked it in the press conference, didn't they? To what? Oh, what a stupid thing to ask. I mean, what was not asked about a, a flare? Is he just wants to talk about the match? So I think sometimes you can you can be negative and build stuff up, can't you? And you know, for me, if you if you're building an attendance up now, more people are coming. You got the law of averages say you're going to get the odd wally coming to watch it, mm-hmm. aren't you? And that's something you've just got to watch out for. But you can't really control who's coming into the ground and what people take in. I mean. It's, it's out of Salford's control, isn't it? You can't really blame the club for that. So uh, it's just one of them things. It's just hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think, like I said, it's out of our, out of the club's control, isn't it, really? Because obviously, new fans are going to t- want to jump on the bandwagon, aren't they? And we're kind of hoping that, you know, they're going to be able to behave themselves. And I suppose it's up to the club to, you know, monitor that and, and make sure they've got, you know, eyes on the eyes on the prize, aren't they? And make sure if anything does happen, you know, they're on top of it straight away, which is what they did. They, obviously, they put announced that out, didn't they, straight away? about what happened and, you know, things like that. You know, it's good. I think it's good that the club are, you know, switched on uh, to them kind of things because, yeah, it's, it, you know, it helps build the atmosphere. But in 2019, it's not socially acceptable, is it, to do stuff like that. So, you know, hopefully it won't happen again. No, Leeds need to be a bit more um, vigilant, don't they, if they're letting people walk in with flares, I suppose, because, you know, they were searching people on the way in, I believe. So if somebody's got a flare in, somebody's... Not been doing the job or having a bit of a snooze, haven't they? <laughs> they let that get past them. So, so yeah, let's just hope it doesn't happen in the in the playoffs. And it, you know, it all goes uh, all goes to plan, and everybody has fun at the game because the atmosphere is absolutely tremendous. And I'm sure we'll have some good times in the playoffs. Yeah, like you say, happier times. Talk about the end of the game, Paul. You know, the absolute scenes behind the goal. You know, the pure emotion of, of going to Leeds and getting a victory after years and years of of suffering hammerings and close defeats. It's uh, it was a fantastic moment for everybody. 
It was. It was a special moment. Yeah, it, it, it just felt nice at the end. And it was a bit surreal. I didn't really know what to say at the end of the game. It was, it was one of those. I enjoyed it. And, you know, it, there was a lot of emotions in the game, a lot of emotions going to Edinley as well. It's it's a place where, you know, we've not had had the rub of the green sometimes. We've had a lot of hammerings, a lot of hurt over the years. And particularly when we've had good sides as well, we've, we've not we've not won there. So, yeah, it was great. And, you know, I came home from it really excited about, about this game this weekend. You know, over the weekend, I was absolutely buzzing as well. So it was a nice feeling waking up Saturday morning thinking, God, we won at Edin last night. So it, it was great. And, you know, just can't wait for the next game now. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to George Griffin, Greg Burke and Gil Dudson after the game. And this is what you have to say. So I'm joined by, joined by George Griffin. Fantastic win that for Salford Red Devils. Yeah, mate, I'm over the moon with that. I don't think um, I've ever won here with Salford, so um, it's good to get the two points there and kick us off in the playoffs. Yeah, back on the field as well after the timeout. How did it feel? Oh uh, yeah, mate, it's been three months to the day actually since I've um, since I've played. So a bit bit tired, bit of spacings and, and timing was a bit off in defence. But you know, um, to get the win and play 80 minutes, mate, I'm happy with that. Yeah, obviously, you know, we're in the playoffs now. You know, how far can this team go? Uh, do you know what, mate? I think everyone wrote us off at the start, but we knew what we were capable of, and I think we've sort of put that to practice now when we're in and around the top, and hopefully we just take this form into the playoffs and do something special. Is that is that kind of talked about in the squad, or are you just taking every game as it comes? Uh, just every game as it comes, mate. Like like I say, we know what we're capable of, but we're not sort of getting getting too big for our boots, so to speak. And um, yeah, just just turn up training every day as we have done all year, and I know uh, carry on as we are. Yeah, obviously all Kingston Rovers uh, next week, massive game for them. It's do or die. We were, you know, it's like the million pound game but in reverse yeah well yeah I, I think that did they lose to London yeah lost last minute try yeah so I think um, yeah I think their, their season pretty much depends on this game and, and we, we obviously want to finish off on a high as well so and I think they've done us twice this year so we owe on one as well so yeah we have that in the back of our minds but like I say it's just a, just any other game we're going to take as it comes and hopefully get the win mate brilliant big thanks to talk to us and the devil in the detail so I'm joined by Gil Dudson big win that yeah yeah, obviously, you know, Leeds Rhinos is a difficult place to go for Salford Devils. History is on our sides, but we certainly put them through the ringers today. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough game, that. Close, real close. Um, you know, could have gone either way at the end, towards the end there. We managed to get over the hump in the end, and I think that's the first time we've won home and away against them for like 60, 70 years. Yeah, 1949 or something yeah. like that. 70 years then. <laughs> was, that, was that kind of talked about during the week, about you know, our record here or, or not? Uh, mate, we were talking on ourselves we just want to keep winning um, it did get mentioned obviously you know it's a big deal isn't it um, and we had a little bit of a chat with it before the game before the kick off so we did speak about it yeah. obviously we're in the playoffs now um, Old Trafford's not too far away is it? no um, you know we're taking it one game at a time um, you know that's like you say that's the ultimate goal isn't it so you know we're going one game at a time I think that's the seventh now isn't it on the bounce so just keep ticking them off and keep going in the right direction cheers big thanks talk to us in Devon detail cheers pal cheers mate I'm joined by Greg Burke. Great win for Salford, that. Yeah, it was, mate. Uh, obviously, we came here knowing that if we won, we'd secure our place in the in the playoffs. And um, you know, it's, I think the, the talk before the game as well was that we've not we've not come here for a while and and you know and won a game here. But also, it was a big game for for us as a team and in terms of you know for. T- um, Tui as well. You know, we said the fight, obviously. You know, he was sort of deemed as surplus here and you know wanted to come back and you know show him what a good player he is here and so we wanted to you know get a win for him and obviously we've done that. Yeah, obviously playoff football just around the corner for Salford Red Devils. We showed plenty of grit and determination in that second half to secure the win. 
yeah, um, I mean that's again that's uh, that's the the main thing I think we took from it is that we've you know especially in the second half they come out firing and we had to defend our line. I mean they only scored one try, uh, which was a kick through. Um, and even then, you know, to be honest, we're probably a bit filthy ourselves that we managed to get there. But end of the day, that's what you want. That's what we want. That's a complete polar opposite as, as to 12 months ago, you know, when you know the attitude and everything. But that's that's what we want as a team. So um, yeah, see you later, mate. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. It, it's, uh, it's I think it's a bit of a big change in attitude and going into the playoffs. That's exactly what we need. Yeah, talks. Ian Watson talks about changing the culture and yeah. you know attitude, and you show plenty of that. I thought in, in this game, and that shows how far this team's you know gone. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean that was one of our goals at start of year is to change everyone's perception of us, but also to change our culture as well. And um, we're definitely on, our, on the right track for that. I mean, you, you know, you have to look where we are on the table. <coughs> where we are on the table. Um, but again, you know, it's that's the main thing is is to change perceptions of us as a team. And obviously now we put ourselves in with that chance, and you know, it's. Uh, it's exciting to be honest because not, not, to be honest I don't think many teams are going to want to play us there's no pressure on us to be honest and we're just going to go in, go in and enjoy it and see where we, where we can go yeah Ockingston Rovers uh, next week big game for them it's do or die does that add a bit of spice obviously because we'll be you know going for that high as we can spot in the in the playoffs I think that I think to be honest the main thing we don't <clears throat> we keep that emotion out of it um, obviously because I'm hearing obviously I think that they have to win now um but again, that's the main thing is we don't we don't get caught up in all that stuff. We just do our job. At the end of the day, we we can still, if you know, there's some big games next week in terms of Wigan and Cass and things like that. So if that goes the way of Cass, obviously we can still finish second here. So mm-hmm. um, we're just we're just going to try and get a win and see if our high up we can finish but you know we're in we're in there now so that's the main thing and you know is to is to make sure we try and finish as high as we can. Brilliant. Big thanks to talk to us in Devil Detail. Cheers, mate. Thank Cheers, you. mate. Brilliant. That was George Griffin, Greg Burke and Gil Dudson talking to me after the game, Paul, and all three very happy with the performance. Yeah, certainly they, they've every right to be as well. I thought Greg Burke was, was excellent. Gil Dudson, he's not in the squad, I believe, for this week because he got a bit of a knock, didn't he, in that game? And I believe he was going for a scan, I think, at the weekend or, or Monday morning or whatever. So he's obviously picked up a bit of a knock. Hopefully he'll be back for, for the playoff games because he's I'm pretty sure he's been ever-present this season. He's not missed the game, so this will be his first miss. And um, he was really good again. Really good again on on Friday night, and teams are finding him a handful, aren't they? The amount of meters he's making, and you know his his aggression running the ball, and so uh, so I thought I thought our pack dominated that game on on Friday. You know, we really did show the the Leeds forward was the way to go. Yeah, uh, looking at the the stats, Paul, top tacklers, you got Gil Dudson. Uh, sorry, so you got Lee Mossett with thirty, Joey Lusick with twenty eight, Tyrone Carter with twenty nine, and George Griffin with fifty five. Now, I'm not sure whether that's a, a misprint, but 55 tackles after being out for eight weeks, let's say. That's, that's an amazing effort. Yeah, certainly. He's been out for three months, actually, George Griffin. Three months to the day. And um, he probably is right, because if you remember rightly, George Griffin played 80 minutes, didn't he? Whereas some of those other forwards did a spell, didn't he? Of 20 and then had a rest and then did another 20. So George Griffin did the full 80 minutes. And I think to be out for three months and come back straight into the side and play 80 minutes and do the amount of work that he did, um, I thought he worked overtime, George Griffin, in that game. He really did. He got caught out for the try from... Brad Dwyer, when he kicked through for Jamie Jones, Buchanan, but that was a good kick. And, you know, he couldn't have really done anything about it. Other than that, I thought he was good going forward. His defence was excellent. And if you looked at where he was defending, 
he did a lot of defending on that side where um, where Chris Wellham and Chris Inu defended. That was the side that Conrad Hurrell was on. And I thought we did a great job on him. I mean, he's a blockbusting centre and he leads his real danger man. And I thought we bottled him up for most of the game, really. And, you know, he didn't really have any opportunities because, it, you know, Ian Watson did a number on him and uh, they targeted him. And they, I think they got the tactics absolutely spot on. Yeah, uh, top meter makers, uh, Chris Wellham in 127, Lee Moss at 114, Josh Jones 138, George Griffin 110, Ken Seo 142, and Jackson Nations 135. Um, average games as well, um, Chris Wellham 8, Lee Moss at 7, Gil Dudson 7, Josh Jones 7, Joey Lusick 8, uh, Ken Seo 8. You know, little stats like that, you know, average games important when you're trying to get, you know, momentum in your set. Uh, and I think that was, uh, you know, pretty high, uh, really. He's the biggest man in the world. He's only very slight, Chris Wellen, but I think a lot of that is down to his, his super handoff that he's got. I mean, it's absolutely vicious, that handoff. It's the best one in the league. You know, every time, he's so dangerous, isn't he? And uh, I thought he was excellent on uh, on Friday night. Another mention as well, Lee Mossop. I think when you've got Mossop and, and Dudson starting there, the power that they bring to the side, Lee Mossop, every time he takes that ball and he takes some stopping, and he's such a big bloke. And, um, you, you know, you do, you do a good job when you've got those two on. You're starting with those. You've got Adam Walker coming off the bench as well. I think our pack's been been really good. Josh Jones, I thought, was, was great again. Some of his footwork on, on Friday night, you know, sometimes he'll he'll crab across the side of the pitch, won't he? But his footwork's so good, he can then find the gap and go through. And he's taking three or four blokes to, to tackle him as well. So, no, I thought the pack was, were outstanding on Friday. Yeah, I think, I think with Jones, it's the ability to engage in the defence and then back out and then go again. Because it's a pretty good skill that not many people can sort of get themselves off the defender to have you know go again and make more meters, and I think that's a, a, a great skill he's got, uh, and he helps us a lot because obviously you can have multiple sort of runs at the defence, uh, which helps us tire the defenders out, which gives us opportunity off the next set. Yeah, it sucks defenders in, and then obviously when you get a quick play the ball, then you've got gaps, haven't you, around the rook and. You know, Josh Jones is very good at that, and he's also good at holding the ball as well. He's he's a very clever player, and it's a yeah. Uh, so obviously, uh, you spoke to Ian Watson, Paul, after the game, uh, and this is what you have to say. Coach's corner. Right, Ian Watson joins me. Um, I was lost for words at the end of the game. I thought a gritty performance. Yeah. How do you describe that one? It wasn't the flamboyant self we've seen in recent weeks, but there was plenty of grit and the goal line defence at times was excellent. Yeah, a playoff football mentality. That's how I'd explain it. Um, we knew coming into these games now, if we're going to play playoff football, we've got to have a mentality about us to be able to come away from home, be able to defend really well and, and back our D to win games. And, and I think we've shown that we've got that grittiness in us today because defending on your try line for 20 minutes at the start of the second half, and to come out the other side and still look the fresher team is, is a big credit to um, our players and also our backroom team. What did you say to the players at half time? Obviously, 12 0 up. There's there points in that first half where perhaps you could have shot. I think it was a kick through. Uh, it looked like a 40 20. The Leeds man did tremendously well to keep yeah, it in. And Leeds yeah. scored on the back of that yeah. at 12 12 6 half time. 14 6. So we got that penalty goal. Yeah. Were, you, were you quite comfortable with that? Yeah, no, I, I was fine. Um, today wasn't about. Wasn't wasn't looking at the scoreboard or anything like that. It was about kind of our 
performance and mentality. Big games are won on energy and, and effort. Um, so we needed to make sure that we could show that attitude. And we said that in the second half, we need to really approach this as back our day. We don't need to score any more points. Back our day and win the game. Despite Leeds being sort of at the lower end of the table, how big of a statement is it to come? It's a tough place to come. I mean, I couldn't see in that sort of first half with the lights around the stadium. They really had to, <laughs> to see where the ball was. But it's a big ground to come to, a big stage. You must be proud of what the lads have served up to. Yeah, I, I, mate, massively proud of kind of the team all year, really. Because you think about what we've been through as a, as a club for four years as well, and obviously rebuilding the team at the back end of last year. And then to, to step up when people were kind of counting them out at the beginning of the season, just saying that the, the relegation, they're not good enough to be in there. We're now sat in fourth or third spot and, and that's credit to the, the players on their own kind of belief and their own ambition as a team. There was parts in that second half, it was 14 points to 12, we, we were desperately trying to score. But do you think we were in, we were trying, trying too hard at times and, and rushing yeah. the play? Yeah, we, 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 we were trying to chase the edge too much. We were trying to chase the edge too much. Um, so we sent a message out about it just calm down a little bit you don't need to score you're winning the game anyway it was 14-12 even though it's two points you're winning the game as long as you D well you'll, you'll be fine but we spoke about just sending the ball back through the middle a little bit and if you look at their middles they, they were absolutely gone out on the feet and we knew they'd break at some point and it was going to be an ugly try that won it but generally in playoff um, playoff games ugly tries when you win your games I think Salford teams of the past would have buckled under that pressure because yeah. Leeds threw an awful lot of us in the second half especially the kicking game goal line defence was uh, <laughs> He must have been delighted when Joey Lussett went over for that try, but he's that sort of player. He's done that numerous occasions this season. Yeah. Great strength to get over that try. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure they will have spoke about it as well. Um, so that will probably disarm them a little bit. But I think it was a fatigue factor that actually broke them down by us being that little bit patient. So we, we, we need to be that going forward as well. Tui Lola here looked like he'd score at the end, agonisingly. The referees disallowed that try. Yeah. But what do you think of Tui's performance? Like, a lot of pressure on him coming here, wasn't there? Great, great. I, I'm, now I'm not looking at. Um, attack here I thought defensively we, we give him a job to do today um, and I mentioned it in the press conference to it Wellham uh, George Griffin defensively on that right side I think that's and Ken Seal that's as good as anyone's defended um, Comrade Hull on that edge as well and I think that's credit to them guys as well especially like you say George coming after three months but to it they kept putting lead lines on him he kept putting angles on him but he kept getting forward and he kept defending what the, the questions that they asked of him so a massive rap to him on the back end of his day I think mathematically now I'm not too sure but I'm sure we're in the five now but you won't look at that now your, your focus will be on Hulkingston Rovers next week they've, they've lost tonight at home to London yes. so it's going to be a million pound game for them yeah. next no, week oh, they're, they're going does to that suit you though as a, yeah. as a coach no yeah yeah because it, it keeps on the boil if, if, if they come and can drop that guard in any, and it had been a, an easy game. I don't think that's what we want. At this. We want these games, want these games to prove to ourselves and prove to everybody that we we can go toe to toe with teams, which we generally have done this year. We, we've done it with Warrington a, f a fair few times. We did it at St Helens as well, although we come up short in the last ten minutes of that game as well. So there's something there for us to kind of rectify going forward. But yeah, no, they're the games we want. You've also created a bit of history tonight. Not many Salford coaches come and win at Edinburgh, but. You beat Leeds um, twice in the season, home and away, for the first time since 1946. Right, 46. So, uh, right, that, okay. That's something yeah. to remember, Ian, anyway. Yeah. But thanks very much for, for speaking to us today, and uh, I'll speak to you hopefully next week at the OKR yeah. game. But thanks very much, Ian. Well done. So, Ian Watson, very happy with the performance, Paul. Uh, and you're a fantastic coach, and recorded his uh, victory away at Leeds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He was. He was very pleased with that. And, one thing you say about what always he's not getting overly excited. I mean, he's always in the sort of the same mood really, and he did seem really sort of switched on. 
after the game Friday, didn't have a massive smile on his face. He knows there's an awful lot of work to be done. and Yeah, he's pleased with the win, but he's not getting carried away. They won't be going celebrating and going on the beer on Friday night and Saturday. They're going straight back into training, aren't they, now? And focus for the for the whole KR game, you know, taking one game at a time. But I think he was pleased with the intensity of the game and, you know, the way we defended. And it was, it was like a playoff, a playoff sort of intense, intense playoff level. So, uh, so, yeah, very pleased with it, but still a lot of hard work to be done. And that starts again now Friday against all KR. Yeah, he talks about the playoff football mentality, which is trying to grow at the club. Uh, and he talks about the energy and the effort which which impressed him the most uh, from his players. And he talks about the journey that this club's been on uh, and you know how far we, we can go. And it's an exciting time uh, for him, as obviously being the, the coach, to see this team sort of develop into a you know a, a contender uh, for the Super League title. Yeah, you know, we spoke about that this season earlier on in the season. Perhaps he was lacking a bit of belief uh, to knock off some of these big sides, and you know. As the season's gone on, we've grown in, in belief, haven't we? Particularly in this last seven games now, we, we, we've had our backs against the wall a few times and we've come out of the matches and you know, we've come up with some really good wins. You know, the Warrington away win, the, the Leeds away win, the Hull away win. There have been some great wins. So uh, that's that's down to belief. And I think a lot of it's down to fitness as well. I think Greg Brown deserves a massive rap for the, the condition he's got the players in. You know, condition of Greg Brown, I think is superb because if you look at the game on Friday, Leeds, Leeds' forwards were out on the feet there in that second half where half forwards just kept coming on strong and I don't think there's a fitter side in the league than us I don't think there is at all and that's going to stand us in good stead that going to the playoffs you look at the playoffs now I don't think any team's going to fancy playing us the rugby league that we're playing at the moment the attacking rugby and the ferociousness in our defence as well I'm really excited Rob I, I really do think we can I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say go all the way because I firmly believe in one game at a time but the way we're playing at the moment I think we've uh, we've got a chance, yeah, a massive Ian, chance. Ian Watson mentions in his interview about proving it to themselves that they're good enough to to go all the way. And you know, results like this against Leeds only kind of builds up that confidence for moving forward, both on and off the field. Because, like you said, you know, teams are going to be looking at us. Uh, the dark horse is coming up on the rails. You know, we're the farm team of, of of the Super League at the moment, and you know, we carry on winning. We'll end, we'll end up at Old Trafford by default. Yeah, let's just let's just keep taking each game as it comes because this this game Friday against Ulcar is a big one. You know, they, we'll probably speak about that after in the preview. But they're, they're coming to win as well. They've got a win to stay up, so it's a different kind of pressure this week. Obviously, um, with Castleford playing Wigan on Thursday night, we're sort of going to know if we can finish above Wigan because if we're going to lose that game and we win, we'll finish above Wigan. So we've still got a chance of third and maybe even second. So. This this game against Oka is another huge game, another huge hurdle for us to get over. Yeah, I suppose you said it last week, Paul. You know, you know, you've got to pinch yourself, aren't you? That we're talking about, yeah. you know, the possibility that we we could finish second, and don't say the disappointment, but you know, we want to finish as high as we can, don't we, really, Paul? But you know, to finish second would be you know an outstanding achievement for Ian Watson and the team. Well, it would, yeah. I mean, at the moment, look at the league table. I don't think we can finish any lower than fourth, can we? Other than some really crazy freak results. This is going to be, you know, a big finish. Our eyes finished since 1980. I mean, I know we finished fourth in 2017, but the, you know, at the end of the season after the playoffs, it was it was a different structure then, wasn't it? So, you know, a fourth place finish after the 29 round. I think it'll be playing now. That that's, you know, at the start of the season, if you'd have said that, I mean, all the pundits had us down for for struggling down in the bottom with London Broncos. I mean, I I always keep the. Um, the rugby press, you know, predictions and things like that you get in the rugby league magazines and that before the start of the year. And 
I think they all had us down for 11th and someone had us down for 12th. So no one gave us a prayer, did they really? But we've gained momentum, haven't we? And it just shows you with the right attitude and the right coaching, we've, we've got the best out of our squad, haven't we? And we've said it loads of times this season. We've got quite a small squad as well, haven't we? But we've managed that squad well. We've kept the spine fully fit. And, you know, wraps again to Greg Brown. He's kept those, those players fit, you know, with, with the great training and conditioning that they're doing. So, no, I think it's a, it's been a marvellous season. It has. It's been a dream. You do have to pinch yourself sometimes, you know, where we are at the moment. But it's just dead exciting. It's a, it's a season I don't really want to end. I just want it to keep going now because uh, it'll be sad when it's over. Yeah, because obviously when you start, when the season's over, you start thinking about next season and, you know, will it be the same again? Will we be able to reach the same heights? Same height? But, you know, let's let's not after another day. That's for another podcast. I ain't talking about next season. Let's concentrate on this season. You know, players are fit. Players are in form. You know, we're scoring tries. We're playing great rugby. There's a great feel around the club. You know, this team and this club is is taking giant steps giant steps forward, Paul. And you know, we're all on this journey together, and we're enjoying every minute of it. Since uh, yeah, since July, since that defeat against Huddersfield. Um, I think the club has made so much progress since then. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was our last defeat, wasn't it, against Huddersfield at home? Mm. I don't think we've lost a game since then. So, you know, since since then, the, the summer, sort of August, we, we, we've we gone great guns, haven't we, winning these, these seven games on the spin. And it's a great run to be on, that great run of form. And each week, we, we've gained in confidence and added a bit more belief. And we've said it loads of times, aren't we? Winning and losing is an habit. And we're into that habit of winning now. And the supporters are starting to expect us to win. And, each week, the uh, the anticipation and the the expectations there, and all well, the lads keep coming up with, with the goods, don't they? So, I think they've learned how to win now, haven't they? And um, they're winning at all costs as well. Yeah. Well, so they, they, sorry, what it is, they, they are winning, but they're not like the winning. Well, the winning like in control rather than sometimes you know teams kind of like trying big things and and they don't come, don't sort of come off, but we. I, I don't see any panic at all in, in this in this Salford squad. In these seven games unbeaten, we we've won every game with with the confidence that with the process is right. The players are playing the right you know uh, you know the right way for Ian Watson, uh, and there's no panic in, in in that squad at all. And that's that's only good moving into the playoffs because obviously with playoff football it's pressure, but it's pressure on top of pressure in it. And if these boys are in a good place men- mentally and then going the right direction. You know, it's it's a fair possibility that you know, you know, three or four games down the line, we're at Old Trafford. Well, yeah, just just going back to to the defeat against Huddersfield, we got beat at Wigan, didn't we? The week before that, uh, that's when uh, Robert Louis went and we got two in all here. So there was a bit of a panic, then, wasn't there, around that time? And you know, people were saying, "Oh, we were going." Like you said, those those seven games we won on the now, we've not really. Really struggled in any of them. Really, we, we've we've been pretty convincing in all those games. You know, the the two wins against Warrington, home and away. The Catalans win. You know, London. We scored nearly sixty points there. Uh, the Hull FC game, forty odd points away from home. So we've not struggled in those games. We've had fluky wins. They've been really good performances, haven't they? And really standout performances. I think that's what's made us the form side in the league. So, you no, know, it is exciting times, Rob. It really is now. Well, let's just hope we can keep this uh, this momentum and uh, belief going. Yeah, it's kind of finding a way to win, Paul, but not kind of rolling the dice of like let's hope it gets six kind of way. It's all been controlled. You know, players players know what the roles are inside, and and you know they've been performing fantastically. And you know, it's seven on the spin. You know, 
playing really well, top of, you know, towards the top of Super League. It's, it's what Soul fans can dream of, isn't it, really? You know what I mean? It's it's just a matter, I think, now of continuing to do this, you know, year in, year out. But obviously that's a thing we have to look forward to in the future. Just let's concentrate on this this season. Let's see how far we, we can go in this fairy tale. Yeah, that's for another day, that Rob. Let's not get too too far in front of ourselves. Only think about your next game. That's why I always try and do because uh, you know, you'd end up uh, end up worrying about all sorts. So let's just enjoy it while the going's good. Yeah. Uh, big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches. Uh, Paul King um, D one D won it. Uh, his man of the match was for Griffin. Uh, Colin Reynolds, great defence again. Uh, his man of the match was one to thirteen. Colin Wilson, dream becoming reality. His man of the matches, all the players and the coaching staff. Um, astonishing, brilliant, beautiful. Uh, that was Harvey. Uh, his man of the match was Jones. Uh, Connor played with flair. <laughs> uh, and his man of the match um, was, well, he's not a man of the match, unfortunately. Um, Tracy, love these guys. All of them uh, were the man of the match. Richard Martin, full team effort. Um, his man of the match was Jones. Natalie Taylor leads Hoodoo Broken. Um, her man of the match was Jackson Hastings. Uh, Chris and Janet Shenton. Um, very, uh, very great, fantastic win. Uh, and uh, their man of the match was Jones. Jones picking up, you know, some fan, some uh, man of the matches there, uh, Paul. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, it was hard to pick a man of the match. I thought you could, you could have anybody really. Match. I mean, everybody stood up and, and and played really well, didn't they? So I, I was struggling to pick a man of the match out of that one. Yeah, uh, Royal Abbey two stupid people. Uh, his man of the match was Joey Lusick, John Waite, um, Nuts of Steel, uh, Jones, uh, MUFC. Uh, I would say everybody uh, all played uh, to Watson's plan. Uh, Chris Broggs, uh, the playoffs. His man of the match was the Pinball Wizard, which is Jones. Uh, Chris Hawkins, tense, tight and breathe. Uh, his man of the match was Josh Jones. Uh, Abby and Fran uh, were in the playoffs. Uh, and Chris Seedhouse, rock solid defence. Uh, and his man of the match was Joey Lucy. But yeah, like we've said before, uh, defence, good teams are built on with good defences, Paul. And uh, you know, this Salford defence is watertight in it. He certainly is, yeah. And I was going to say before, defense wins wins your games really, doesn't it? and sets that platform. And you know that's that's one thing that we've got. We've got a really solid defense at the moment, and we've got a good goal kicker in Kristen Indu as well. So that's another thing you go when you score a try, you're going up in six as well. So that's a good a good psychological boost. So uh, so yeah, but the defense has, has been really good this season. I mean, uh, that that set the foundation for the for these wins really. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Paul, I was only two, I was a two-point swing, and I'd have, I'd have been Nando's in. What did you go for? I think I went for 20, 20, 2012, I think. Twenty-two, twelve, weren't you? Yeah, you were. You were close, weren't you? I was close. I was. I, I was thinking when it, when uh, he scored Leeds. I think I think I went twenty-two ten. I think. And I thought uh, when Jamie Jones Buchanan scored, but can't be. You know, we've had, we've had a few close ones, haven't you? But I don't think this is. I think this is pretty close, this one. Yeah, that's been one of the closest ones. Yeah, you know I mean, I keep telling you about my clothes. I've worn the same clothes for <laughs> seven weeks running now at the match. And I mean, same clothes, same shirt, same pants, same shoes and same coat. So uh, I went shopping, actually, with my wife and the kids on uh, Sunday. We went to the Lowry. And uh, I must admit, I've not been there for a while. It's a 
good place and uh, some Salford shirts in there as well in like a shop window so that was a good advert but uh, I bought myself a new jumper so um, I don't know whether to wear it on Friday now I better not I better carry on wearing the same clothes aren't I? because otherwise uh, we don't want any uh, any defeats against all car do we so I'll I'll put that in the, the wardrobe and wear that on Saturday. Yeah, washing machine's working fine, isn't it? Obviously, you're washing your stuff, aren't you? Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I do I wash my stuff, I just wear them once a week and then wash them. <laughs> yeah, well, like you said last week, people have you know suspicions, uh, superstitions, don't they? So, you know, it's, yeah, that's yours, is, uh, yours is this, and it, your clothes, like you say, you know, your body shape doesn't change too much, so technically you could wear the same clothes for the next five years until we get to the, uh, the World Cup Championship. Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's our review of the the Leeds win, uh, Paul. Uh, next up on the podcast, what we'll do, we'll look at all the big news coming out of Salford Devils this week. So Paul, we'll start with all the big signings of the week. Uh, Paulie Paulie uh, has signed for the twenty twenty season. Um, very happy about that. Had a short stint with us this season before having to go back to Wakefield uh, and was you know full of powerful running uh, and will add something to our squad uh, to our squad in 2020. Well, yeah, um, he scored against us, didn't he, at Bellevue for Wakefield when we played him earlier in the season. And he impressed me that day. He's a very big man, isn't he? And uh, I, I enjoyed the video that the club put out as well. I must say they've done some good stuff on social media. I enjoyed that with Ian Blees and Ian Watson sat down and then Paulie Paulie sort of walking in because he is a big man. But no, I think it's a good sign. I think looking at him, he looked like he's been carrying a bit of weight. And I know he got a bit of stick for that and he's not been doing big minutes. But when he came to Salford, I thought he looked good. He looked looked quite fit. But I think he will get fitter. I think Greg Brown and the coaching people, coaching staff will have him um, you know, run up the hills and that in pre-season training. I think you'll you'll see him drop a bit of weight. As, as a, a few other players in the squad, I think Tuilal here is another one who will be a lot sharper and fitter for the start of next season. But Paulie Paul is a good signing for us. He's devastating out wide, isn't he? And, you know, he scored a few tries for us in the, the games he played on loan. So I'm excited to see him, uh, you know, fully fit with the full pre-season behind him. Yeah, adds that bit of something, doesn't he? You know, close to the line. The big unit he is, he will take some stopping if, you, if you, he gets up ahead of speed. I think it's important, obviously, the, the team kind of use him, right? That he will have to be used as a bit of a battering ram down the middle. But, you know, close to the line with dummy runners, People aren't going to be able to deal with that, are they? So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how we manage to fit him into our formation moving forward in 2020. Well, if you use him right, he could be like a Ben Murdoch Masilla. I mean, you look at Ben in that 2017 season. I think he scored 16 tries, didn't he, in the second row? And a lot of those were from running out wide. So if you can use Pauly Pauly in that sort of way and get that gap for him, you know, get him running out wide and get nine levels with that short tip-on pass to him. He's going to be devastating, you know, running at centres and wingers, the size of him. He's going to lock him into next week, isn't he? And that could apply of using him like that. You don't want to use him just as a battering ram. I mean, I look at Ben now at Warrington, and I think they tend to do that with him quite a lot. But, you know, Ben Murdoch-Masilla is more devastating when he runs out wide because he's a big man, he's quick as well, he's got a good turn of speed. And I think Paulie Paul is the same. If you can get him a bit, a bit fitter and, you know, that bit of pace on him as well, he's going to have some stocking out wide. So that's how I'd be using him next season. I'm, I'm sure Ian Watson's got his own plans for him as well. Yeah, it's, it's like it's roadkill. That, that's what you're looking for, aren't you? You know what I mean? You're running at, you know, uh, standoffs and, and centres. Just run straight over the top of them. And, that, and that's, you know, that's what you kind of he's built for, isn't it? Um, well, like I said, with Ben Murdoch-Masala, Warrington kind of running down the middle, don't they? Which is a bit weird because obviously his successor Salford was running out wide, like you said. So, but maybe Warrington... See him as more of a, you know, battering ram, 
uh, sort of second row, uh, which we all know we, we, which which he isn't. Uh, but I'm sure Warrington might figure that out sooner or later. And if he doesn't, if he don't, we'll have him back. Yeah, well, I don't want to question uh, Steve Price, Warrington's coach, because he's done a pretty good job. Haven't they? They've won the Challenge Cup, haven't they? And uh, got to two finals last season. So, what do I know? That's all I like to see Ben Murder. But yeah, I love him back at Salford tomorrow. Don't start starting rumours, though, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I saw, him, I saw him walking around Salford Precinct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the you at the Lowry, you saw him at the Lowry. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I suppose transfer rumours will, will come, you know, swirling around, won't they? And we'll have to see. Uh, but there's there's more uh, signings as well uh, been announced. James uh, Greenwood uh, signing for 2020. Um, played for us in 2015 on loan. Paul uh, suffered a struggle with injury so far this season, but he's obviously got the quality uh, which will take this uh, team forward. He has, yeah, man. His brother Joe plays at Wigan now. They're both uh, very useful players, aren't they? He's a big lad as well, and he's six foot odd. Uh, back rower I think he plays doesn't he and yeah I remember him playing on loan for some sh- I think he's scored a try I can't remember who it was against but yeah 2015 he had a couple of games on loan for us so uh, yeah looking forward to seeing him again as you said he struggled a bit this season with injury but if you can put those behind him I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll get the best out of him you know we've, we've done that with other players that have come in and people have questioned him and said oh he's not been fit there he's had injuries and this that and the other but we we, we seem to be getting the best out of players at the moment and he's he's a young lad with, the, with a bit to prove yeah another opportunity player coming to an opportunity club to, to go to the next level. And that and that's what it's all about with Soul for a Devil. It's about, you know, these players coming in who want to prove a point uh, and want to play at the top level to take themselves to the next level and then take the club to the next level at the same time. Yeah, it certainly is. That's what you want. Players that are hungry and uh, players that are grounded and players that are good off the field as well. What you don't want is, you know, bad apples because, you know, there's a, there's a few of them knocking about in Super League, isn't there? And uh, players with bad attitudes. I caught a bit of the... Uh, the Castle game the other night, and you know the lad for them, Jake Connor. I mean, he's a really good player, but his attitude is, is, is terrible. He got Simbin for descent, and you don't want people like that in your team. And Ian Watson's sort of got rid of all those sort of players. We had one or two of them, and you know over the last couple of seasons, we've got a real sort of work ethic in that side now. And there's no Billy Bigheads in there, is he? You've got you know players who are willing to work, and and I'd rather have those sort of players any day of the week. And, I think James Greenwood and, and the other lad, Chris Ack, you know, you mentioned a second who we've signed as well. And, um, you know, I think the, these players are, are the right kind of players for, for our club. Yeah, Chris Atkin, uh, I think he's an England in, England Day international. Um, you know, he's, he's got the quality. Obviously, with Jackson Aston's departing, uh, he'll be in the mix uh, with other people uh, to hopefully get his shirt. Yeah, he's a very good player, Chris Atkin. I remember seeing quite a bit of him at Swinton when he played there and, well, they they you know sung really high praise of him. Then Hulkar signed him, and then he stepped up to that next level into Super League, and he's he's done really well at Super League level. He's an excellent goal kicker as well. He's got a real good goal kicking record. I don't think he kicked for Hulkar, but he kicked a ton of goals for Swinton. So that's always a useful string to your bow as well to a bit have a have a couple of goal kickers in your squad. And he's a versatile player. He can play at half back. He can play at hooker. He can play full back. So I think he's going to be a real uh, valued member of our squad next season, Chris. Yeah, and he'll obviously have, you know, have that extra bit of quality as well because that's what you need, obviously, moving forward. You're bringing people in who are going to take us to that next level and you know, if he continues to, to perform uh, like he has been doing, you know, the world's his oyster and so is it a good thing for us too. Yeah, I saw a bit of him in the Friday night game for London against Hull Carey. He scored a good try in that game. He's a good support player as well, very good at 
backing up on that. And um, no, I think he's a, he's a good acquisition to the squad. I think a few teams were sniffing around Chris Atkin, and uh, I'm glad we've got in there and uh, got the lad signed for us. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. Obviously, they're making waves out in the Super League world, so people are going to be you know wanting to come to Salford and, and join this uh, the revolution that's coming. Yeah, well, definitely, and I think you know we're losing a few players, aren't we? You know, to, to clubs next season, and I, I wonder if those players are sort of, start, sort of thinking, um, you know, we should have stayed at Salford. Now you've got George Griffin, and they're all perks going to Castleford, haven't you? Josh Jones going to Hull, Jackson Aston's and Jake Bibby going to Wigan. So, are any of them thinking, blimey, I wish I'd have stayed at Salford? Now I don't know, but uh, but I think other players from other clubs will be looking at us, thinking, yeah, there's a, there's a big opportunity there. That club's going forward; they're making a lot of progress. And uh, we could make even more progress in 2020. So, uh, so yeah, we're a club on the up at the moment, Rob. Yeah, uh, off the field, um, Janice Allen has joined the board. Um, she's the dean at Salford University uh, Business School. Um, I think it's a great uh, thing for her to get involved uh, behind the scenes uh, with all her experience in that uh, you know sector. Uh, it's only going to move the, the club forward, um, and it's great. Uh, news for everyone. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, if you look at um, Leeds Rhinos and the, the relationships they have with a, with a couple of universities they've got in their city, it's massive, and they get a lot of students watching the watching the team as well. And you know, that's something we've got to tap into that market. I work alongside the, the university. There's an awful lot of people who go to. I wouldn't like to number of students that, that attend Salford University. Though, if we can tap into that market, get those those students involved, get them playing rugby league as well. You know, and the business opportunities as well that, that lie there. I think it's, it's a great partnership to have, and these are the partnerships that you want. You know, in your local community within the city of Salford as well. We want people to know who we are, and we want to be working alongside them as well. I think that's what being a community club is all about. So that that was really exciting news. Yeah, I think it says our ambition is to sort of reach deeper in the community and across the city, and help the foundation kind of provide. Uh, you know services and stuff like that and I think it's great obviously you know she knows what she's doing I think it's important like I said the club now have got the right people in the right places uh, and that'll help the club the club grow bigger and bigger uh, and produce you know fantastic talent both on and off the pitch yeah let's hope so let's hope let's hope it works out because we've had these these people mentioned before haven't we that like people joining the board and they've not seemed to last long and then they've drifted away for one reason or another so let's hope it's a long-term relationship with her now and it works out and it, it all it all goes in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, other news, Paul, uh, the club um, are doing a, I think it's a raffle, uh, trying to get all businesses, local business, to become the main sponsor. Uh, I think it's £1,000 a ticket um, to become the main sponsor. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for all our local businesses uh, to get involved in this because obviously you want to be our main sponsor. You'll get lots of, uh, you know, exposure. Uh, in the national press and on the website uh, on the shirt and I think it's uh, a great thing the club have done this uh, to try and entice the business to get involved yeah it certainly is you know you get the, the main shirt sponsor you just think about like you said the national press and well, kind of sports as well aren't you and maybe BBC as well for Challenge Cup games so whatever your your main sponsors on the front of your shirt you're going to get a lot of people seeing it aren't you so uh I think for a, for a thousand pounds as well, if you can uh, if you can come up with that and get your name on the shirt, you're on a winner there, definitely. Yeah, there's a few signed up so far. I can't read them all out because there's too many to read out at the moment. Uh, but you know that you say you get is it 112,000 pounds worth of you know media value. You get a corporate box, a logo on the shirt, advertising on the website, 
social media plugs, car park passes, uh, and get players to come to your business and you know uh, player appearances and stuff like that. So I think it's fantastic value for for a thousand pound. If I was a you know person running a, a business, I'd be looking into that uh, to improve my business's brand to be involved in Salford Devils. Yeah, I wish I had a spare bar from I wouldn't mind that, even if it was just my name on the front of the show, <laughs> just to get it's coming around to me house having a brew me and that. It sound, sounds really good, Robert. It really does. It's a shame we can't uh, muster up 500 quid, quid a piece for uh, and get Devin the detail on front of the shirt, but yeah. I'd have to start doing some more over, so I'm a bit short at the moment. Yeah, and I'd have to leave home, I think, if I managed to put 500 quid in there. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah right. I think it'd be, I can't uh, be doing stuff like that. Helen will divorce me. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's you know it's beyond our thing. But you know, I, I suppose it, you know for businesses out there, you know, that turn over you know good money, you know a thousand pound isn't isn't a massive amount of, of money, is it for a business? So I'm sure there's people involved listening to this podcast thinking, well, you know, I might tell my boss about that, and you know we'll have a look at the figures, do a bit of number crunching, and if he if they think that you know it's viable, then uh, I'm sure they'll go knocking on the club's door. Yeah, I'm certain they will. Yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, business people who who watch Salford, isn't there? And uh, you know we, we can we can all name a few of them. So yeah, I'm sure they'll get involved. Like I said before, there's an awful lot of people who've already put their name forward. So it's going to be exciting to see who who comes up with the goods. Yeah. Uh, other bits of news. Uh, looking on the on the Facebook pages, people talking about whether season tickets are included in the playoff games. Um, they're not involved. Not including them in the playoff games. Uh, by all accounts well that's probably right because obviously we've not been in the playoffs very often so we don't really have to mention that do we until we are uh, I suppose it's like a first world problem isn't it you know what I mean that you get to the playoffs and then you have to pay to, to watch them in the in the big games don't you I never thought they were included in the, in the playoffs to be honest with you Rob I mean in 2006 we played Bradford away didn't we so that was obviously pay on the gate anyway because we were away from home but um, it's sort of the last thing I, I think of that I mean I gladly pay and Gladly walk to the ground for it to watch a playoff game. So uh, no, I don't. I don't know. But I saw some people moaning about that. But you know, come on, it's it's the playoffs. Get excited, sod the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might not get to the playoffs again for a long time. So no, don't worry about that. Just uh, I don't think it's expensive anyway. Is it? I mean, it's like this game on on Friday night. It's, it's twenty pound now. Twenty pounds, yeah. You know, twenty twenty is plenty. Is the slogan? So I mean, for the entertainment we played this season, some of the, the matches have been tremendous for twenty quid. You, you can't argue with that at all. Yeah, they didn't, no one mentioned anything about car park passes, uh, but I'm sure the club will announce that when we. we I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure you can use your car park pass because your car park pass is like for for the season, isn't it? If you like, yeah. so I think that'd be a bit harsh, but I'm sure the club will tell you and let you know. Yeah. So obviously, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, I suppose it'll all come out after after Friday's game, uh, depending on what happens um, there. Um, a new batch of Super League award tickets are now available from the club. Uh, we sold our allocation um, about a week ago, uh, but Super League have obviously given us some more. Just what big clubs do when they get to finals, they always ask for more tickets, and that's what we're doing at this awards ceremony. Yeah, flogged our allocation, and uh, we're taking over the lorry, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's going to be a great night. You know, we could we could be in to win a few uh, awards, Paul, and uh, you know, you'd, if you were able to get there. Uh, you know, I'm sure you know you'd want to celebrate uh, with the club and, and the players. Yeah, well, I can't remember when we've ever been in with a chance of um, winning awards at Super League. But excuse me, this season we've got a chance of maybe getting some players in the dream team. I was having a look at the, some people's dream teams on the internet the other day. I think there's like an app you can fill your own, and I was thinking 
there's, there's definitely two or three Salford players who I think could have in mind easily. So you've got Ian Watson as well, who's he's got to win culture here. What he, he's just got to do. I know, I know. People keep talking about Danny Ward, and Danny Ward's done a great job at London, but well, London are probably going to get relegated, aren't they? So to give it him, you'd, you'd probably be awarding the mediocrity, really, wouldn't you? I mean, I know he's won ten games, and it probably sounds a bit harsh, but. What 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 was done to Transformers? He's got to be up there for, for culture here. I think it'd be be a travesty if he don't get that. And you've got Jackson Aces as well, who's nailed on for Man of Steel, I think, isn't he? And you know he's challenging. I think he's Blake Austin who's up there with him. So we we don't know now, do we? Because the votes go go private, don't they? They're not public votes, are they? Now, so you don't get to see them. So it goes secret now for the next couple of rounds. So it's going to be exciting though, because uh, we've got definitely got contenders there. He's not played since, has he? Um, Blake Austin. Not played since. since no, he's not played for a while. No, he's not played since we played. Did he get injured against us? Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, what, what I'm saying is, Jackson Hayes was in front when when the um, the you know the the vote went secret. Now Blake Austin caught him if he hadn't played. Surely, that, you know, Hayes is still in front. Don't give the game away, Rob. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just well, a builds up that tension. That's <laughs> probably excitement now. Yeah, well, sorry about that. <laughs> but you know, it's it, it, you know, if if he does end up winning Man of Steel, that's a you know a, a fitting end to a, a fantastic Salford career, which we'll all remember uh, fondly. Yeah, we will. We will. I was I was speaking to my dad about that the other day, and um, he was sort of saying it'd be a shame when when Jackson Aces goes because. I don't think he'll get the adulation at Wigan that he gets at Salford, you know, especially on a personal level, the way he is with the supporters and, you know, that sort of uh, close bond he's got with us. I mean, I, I wish him all the best at Wigan. I hope he does really well for them. And you know, He's obviously going to be playing on a good side, but I just don't think he'll get that there because I'm not having a go at their supporters, but it doesn't seem like the same sort of bond between their fans and ours. So we'll have to watch this space on that one. It is a shame. I wish we could have kept him for a for another season but I fully enjoyed the time he's been there he's given us a lot of good memories and you know the way he's led the side this season I think and there's still you know, don't forget his, his ride's not over yet either still, there's still games to go so the Jackson Hastings uh, story isn't quite finished yet at Salford I think there's another chapter to go yeah it's a shame but it's an opportunity because obviously when he goes then obviously the team who have played played with him this season they've got this belief haven't they now so there's no reason why that belief can't continue Obviously, Jackson Hastings is Jackson Hastings, but if you want to function at the top level, it's not all about one man. It's about the unit. It's about the team. And this team has has, has gone, you know, on leaps and bounds on it. Um, and hopefully, it will continue to happen, even though Jackson has gone off to Wigan. And you never know what might, might happen in the future, Paul. You know, three years down the line, you might not like Wigan. You might, he might come back. You never know. No, and I think one thing with Jackson Aston as well is this another thing I was chatting to me, to my dad about. We were saying that he's um, he seems to have lifted other players. I'm not having a go at these other players, but other players that probably aren't the greatest players in the world. But he's made those players believe that they are and lifted them to a better level. And certain players in the squad have become better for that just because of Jackson Aston's influence. And you, you look at Tuilola here; he, he was he couldn't sort of settle in the lead side. He was. Was struggling for form, struggling for, for belief. He's come to Salford now and he looks a completely different player. I mean, the defence of that lad on Friday night at Leeds, you know, to go there against the side that, that did the dirty on him and kicked him out, I thought he defended, you know, heroically in that match. He was absolutely superb. And, you know, Leeds put a lot of men on him with him with the ball. I think they put a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of high shots on him and he got a bit of rough treatment in that game. But I thought he was superb in defence and 
you know, he's, he's really shown what a good player he is. And that's thanks to Jackson Aces. I think he's had a good influence on him and, and a number of other players in the side as well. In fact, the whole side, the, the, he's lifted the, the, the squad this season, he really has. He has lifted him, but it's all about mental strength and, and belief in it that, you know, it doesn't matter. You can still go. Because, you know, we, we don't know what happen, what might happen, you know, if Jackson Aces gets injured or whatever. You know, we've still got to perform. We've still got to go. We can't, we can't drop down to that, you know, mediocre level. This team has got to where it is, of, you know, with Jackson Aitens in that side. But it's not just Jackson Aitens. People have gone, like you said, to that next level, and it's just about, you know, keep going and keep performing. Because, you know, next season's next season. We'll, we'll worry about that then. But the way we're going now, it's just about going forward and, and keep believing and keep playing. Yeah, it certainly is. When you talk about players going to the next level. You know, the, the per, a perfect example of that is probably Chris Weller. Um, a couple of seasons ago, he was, he was dumped by uh, by Hulkingston Rose. Went to surplus to requirements there. He came in at Salford, and you no, know, not what other other sides wanted him. A lot of Salford supporters turned their nose up at him. But look what a, what a player he's become. He's he's lifted it to the next level. And every week, you say it, Rob, don't you? He's an eight out of ten player every week. The, the performances he puts in. Chris Sinanu, another guy, you know, came from Witness. Nobody seemed to want him, and we've, we've turned him into a really good player. Gil Dudson, you know, George Griffin for, for a few years ago, you know, a surplus at the side. He was at Greg Burke. There's another one. So we've, we've got a team full of, full of these players now that have come in and, you know, they're, they're raising the game, aren't they, and improving a point every week. And they are playing at that next level. I think that's great to see that. And like you said, it's not just the Jackson. Jack Sayson having an influence on that, but those players as well have got the belief and have got the desire that they want to do really well. And that. That's an attitude thing, that, and I think it's an attitude that's running through the club. I mean, we can be guilty of saying in our time of watching Salford that we've had players there whose attitudes weren't right, and I, I can name players that, who I don't think had the right attitude at Salford and went through the motions and you know stole a bit of a living, if you like. But the players that are there now aren't. The players that are there now are working their socks off for this club, and it's great to see. And the fans, the fans appreciate that. Yeah, and, and obviously loving every minute of it, aren't they, Paul? And you know, hopefully. You know, there was more to come uh, in this fairy tale season that we're having. Um, final bit of news, Paul. Eight years today uh, since we left the Willows. Um, what do you think? Eight years on, um, still miss it? Yeah, miss it every day, mate. Miss it every, about every day. Uh, think about games that were there. You do. It's, it's always on your mind, isn't it? And I've had loads of dreams over the last eight years where. Thought we 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 bought the ground back again and bought the houses and rebuilt brick and you know it's it's gone now hasn't it but oh some great times there some some sad times some rubbish times as well plenty of amarins and so right people look at it now with like rose tinted glasses don't they but we had some pretty dire seasons there. Particularly in the Super League as well, but no, some great times there growing up watching Salford. It's the place that, that, that got me hooked on, on rugby league, and I made one as a young kid with my dad. So, um, no, we do miss the place, but we're starting to make new memories at the, the AJ Bell now, and that's our home. And you know, I, I'd love it if we could have stayed at the Willows. I think it was we got we, we we had to move, didn't we, for one reason or another? And I think it was perhaps premature, really. Perhaps we should have dug our heels and then said no to, to Sky and the Super League that we were going to stay there, but. We'll never know now that that's gone and it's a shame, but make the best of it now. We've got a good facility and a good stadium there. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, eight years, some great memories, Paul. Uh, you know, painting banners behind, behind the North Stand at a, a weekend. Uh, you know, the personalities in this shed, uh, everyone was like one big family uh, at, at the time. Uh, watching the first team train uh, on, a, on a weekday in the afternoon after college and, 
you know, it's a, it was a you know a fantastic sort of place uh, for for rugby league, and you know we spent a lot of time there, didn't we? we grew up there, um, and obviously you you do miss it, Paul. But obviously, like you said, we, we've moved on, haven't we? Now uh, to the AJ Bell Stadium, uh, and you know the stadium we're growing into it now with with the match day experience, and it took us eight years to get there, but I think we're going in the right direction now, uh, and it's going to attract you know more people to come to watch the match. Yeah, definitely. I think the the one thing I miss about the Willows is the whole ritual of it, you know, of, of going there and the you know the entrance you used to go in and you used to see on your way round and walk right round the the pitch like we used to do and you used to stand in the north stand, you used to go in the shed. Sometimes we we used to be on our corner. I don't know if you've seen that photograph I got off yeah. uh, off Dave at Salford a, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a picture of us in our corner there and uh, all the faces on that. I've got it next to my bed here and. Um, I look at it every day, and it's it's just great memories of people. Some of those those people are no longer with us now, but it's you know great memories of the Willows, and yeah, some some good times there. I mean, I've still got plenty of videos and, and DVDs, so I can I can always uh, put one in my front room and pretend I'm back there. So, <laughs> but no, good good times, mate. Good times. Yeah, good times. Pete, I put I put out on uh, on Facebook and Twitter, Paul. Uh, you know, great favourite memories um, of the uh, of the Willows. Uh, Ricky P, the snow game against Wigan in 2005. Um, 2006. Oh, 2006, all right. Uh, Gary Williams uh, got to be knocking Wigan out of the Challenge Cup and in their winning streak in 96. Yeah, that was um, a good day. David Caesar beating Saints in the quarterfinal. What a great day. Uh, Paul Greenall, he won £7.50 on the fruit machines um, in the early 70s and he was about six years old. But think of that, that was part of the part of the magic wasn't it in the in the in the uh, in the vault and in the club you know like the characters that walked around and you know it was uh, it was it was was really really good but like you say we've moved on as a club now yeah we certainly have I can remember winning 50 odd quid on Andy Coley scoring in first try against all I think it was in 2004 I think we got hammered but Andy Coley scored first and won 50 quid they used to have a little bookmakers was it um, Ramsbottom's bookmakers or something like that at this side of the uh I think it was at the side of the shed where he came in. They had a little bucket bookmaker's office there for not for long. It didn't last long, but it was there for a couple of seasons, and I won a few bob on that. So, but yeah, that's how the variety centre was, wasn't it? And the, and the club, it was uh, legendary, wasn't it, back in its uh, in its time? And Salford were sort of world leaders, weren't they? And in, in things like a lot of Australian clubs, I think, copied off the the Brian Snape model. You know, getting getting a social club and things like that. So, uh, I think uh, you know we are pioneers. Yeah, BV owners. Uh, watching Dave Watkins make his debut and the uh, whole the Willows of rocking, like you said, you know memories uh, from the the glory days of, of the seventies uh, when the uh, when the uh, Willows was was uh, you know the place to be. Yeah, and the only shame is, Rob, and I've said it loads of times to Dad. I wish you could get foot footage of those days. There's nothing, is there? I don't know whether the BBC have lost their archives or, or what. But somebody somewhere, I keep dreaming about it, somebody somewhere in their attic must have all those BBC tapes because a lot of the matches used to be on a Saturday afternoon, didn't they? like the second half on, on grandstand. And I think we, we were on loads of times in the 70s. So please, God, if somebody's got them in their attic or in the cellar somewhere on them old cine films, just dig them out so we can watch them because I think it's a great shame that you can't watch any of that, of that footage because I think it'd be great to see. Yeah. Um, Steve Moore, uh, he says, love the place. Favourite memories? watching them parade the trophy around as a 10-year-old kid in 1976, uh, also also winning the, uh, well, beating Wigan in the Challenge Cup in 96. Worst memories of his is watching Leeds player 
Chris Anderson swallow his tongue in 1977 and passing away on the field. Uh, that was a you know a really sad uh, moment uh, at the uh, at the Willows. Yeah, it was. I think it was 5-2 the game and it got abandoned and mm. it never got replayed that game. I remember my dad telling me about that and it was just it was just a void result. Um, the match was just cancelled, never replayed and it didn't show up on the league table or anything. But my dad saying to me it was a really sort of eerie day. The, nobody knew what was going on. The, the final loop, they, they didn't blow the whistle. He just I think the referee just took the players off and everybody just sort of like, rather somberly made their way out of the ground. So that was uh, that, that was a sad day. That. Yeah. Um, Swinton Lions... Uh said Swinton winning promotion in 2011. Swinton Lions did share the Willows for a few years. and uh, obviously Who said that, Pete Green? <laughs> Swinton Lions, RLF says Swinton Lions promotion in 2011. Uh, obviously, they've got uh, the Manchester uh, Lions moving forward. But I suppose looking back, uh, you know, we don't know what this, the situation behind the, you know, moving out of Swinton. You think if they could have stayed, at, you know, played the Willows long term, would that have been a good thing or a bad thing for us and them both sharing the same same stadium in Salford? I don't know. I don't know whether they would have wanted to. To be honest with you, Rob, I think it probably would have made sense. But you don't know what the politics of it and what happened at the time. You know, I've spoke to Swinton supporters over the years, and I think there's I'm not going to name names in here, but I think there's a few people at the time in 1992 when they left Station Road who. Who the Swinton supporters sort of say sold them down the river a bit, but you'd, you'd have to you'd have to go into all the politics of that, and it's probably not the time or the place on here for that. But it's a shame, and it's a shame that, in a way, the way they're changing the the name now and things like that. But you know, it might be the best thing for them. It might might help them out. I'm not too sure on that one. It's it's one of those only times going to tell. But it's, you know, it's sad if you've watched Swinton for a long time and. What are you going to chant next season at the at the match? It's um, like I said, it's probably not the time to talk about here. But you know, their supporters are in my thoughts a bit really because it nearly happened to us, didn't it? You know, a couple of years ago, changing names, and it's it's not good when you watch your side for a long time. Yeah, Mike Hope getting a hot cup of Oxo from the big red hut where the half stand is. It's <laughs> I do remember that big. I remember the beer, like the beer, uh, sort of what's called like a beer hut in the top right and corner where. Sort of the uh, the academy had, lads used to give you cans, didn't they? You had to buy cans over over the the over the counter. Um, yeah. <laughs> cans of Carlsberg. Cans of Carlsberg, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and and your things like that, and, and the big like, like an ice cream van as well at the, the top of the top of the stairs, weren't they? In North Stand, uh, Sam McMorrow. So many memories of the place. Great times with the family. Uh, but like I said, it, it was like one big family, weren't it? Really. Uh, Robert William Owen taking my school team into the North Stand and playing in the school cup games with the full support of the spectators and too many great games to mention. Uh, Barry Jones beating Wigan twice in a week. Uh, League and Cup and my daughter mascot for the last game there. Um, John Lawton as a kid running on the pitch at the end of the game and asking players can I have the tie-ups. Uh, that's a thing that, that obviously can't do these days, Paul. Uh, but lots of people used to do it. Used to run the pitch, didn't they, in the seventies and eighties, and get the uh, the tie up. I used to do that. I got um, who did I get? I got some when we played Dewsbury in ninety six. I think it was the ninety six season. Played Dewsbury at home when we got promotion. I'm sure it was you. Or was it the season before? Around that time, you know, the centenary season was a pitch invasion. And I'll get my scorebook out after and get you the date. I'm sure it was the ninety six season. But I got uh, Darren Rogers tie ups and this stunk of like. Um, that linamenty wintergreen stuff, and um, I also got a bit of tape as well off uh, Scott Naylor's boots. <laughs> a bit of electrical tape, but they're the sort of things you did then. I, I got someone else's uh, tie-ups once as well. That big Gibbo or someone used to see him on the floor, didn't he? When he used to run on the pitch, but 
know, sadly, we're not allowed to have pitch invasions anymore, are we? But that used to be a regular thing, didn't it, running on at the end of the game? Yeah, went out with flares, that Paul. Both in yeah. the 70s. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I suppose it's, it's one of them, innit? You know, fantastic memories. Um, Lisa uh, Files, we used to go to where Andy Gregory sat to see if he'd drop change out of his pockets when we were kids. A few times we found money there. Uh, had the best times there, though. Uh, but, yeah, I suppose everyone has their own quirky memories, don't they, uh, about the, the Willows. And, uh, you know, it's a, it was a fantastic place to watch rugby league. Um, and, you know, it is missed. But, like you say, we, we move on, don't we? Yeah, one thing I remember as a, as, a, as a young kid when I first started going was that blue car that used to come round. Do you know, do you know the one I mean? That used to park at the side of the pitch. Yeah. Some of our old, older listeners might know. I think they're uh, like a disability car, aren't they, or something? I'll have to get the name of them. But I've got a photograph of it somewhere. You're, that always used to be at the side of the pitch. If you watch like old episodes of Match of the Day, football, like, they always seem to see them there as well, but that's something that's gone now. Showing our age now, aren't we? Yeah. I remember, I remember Ignito with his, with his, with his uh, kicking the goal. I think it was like, I don't know who he was against. He kind of like, there was an obstacle course, and he kicked. The, he, he kind of like went through the obstacle course and then kicked the goal at an angle from about 40 yards out. One of the better, he was like probably better than and our our goal kicker at the time, uh, and the crowd went mad, went mad, uh, and that was a, that was a great occasion. You know, fantastic games. Uh, you know, beating Wire on, on Black Friday, beating Wigan. You know, thirty-one thirty, Wigan in the snow in the in the playoff season. You know, we, we could go on and on, couldn't we, about about the fantastic uh, the games that that, that were played uh, at the Willows. Yeah, I remember beating the, the St. Helens win as well in 97. I think they just won the Challenge Cup, and then they came to Salford on a Thursday night, 22nd of May, I think it was. And um, we, we beat them, didn't we? And all the sort of champagne team they was, with Charlie McRae coaching, Bobby Gould and all. Gary Broad got a trick that night, and we played really well. That's one of the, the matches that sticks out in my memory. And there's some great nights that season. Wigan 14, Pots to 4, Watto and Steve Blakely ripping them apart. So, yeah, we had some we had some good times, Rob, some really good times. And, you know, as I said before, some some poor times as well. But, you know, they're all, they're all magical in their own little way. Yeah, talking about the poor, sad times. Relegation in 2002. Uh, Ian Watson going blindside. Just about forgiving him uh, for that after all his success as a coach. Uh, my first relegation watching Salford was broken. Took me like three days to recover um, after um, getting beat by Cass 72-16 that was a, an hammering um, we, we did get beat it has to be said it wasn't all uh, roses was it at the Willows there was some you know really dire rugby at times but as well as that build you know built character didn't it and you know sometimes you, you went to the game you know for the for the you know for the fans around you rather than the, the actual match especially in like the early kind of 2000s yeah, they were terrible. Them seventy six, sixteen. It was against Cass as well, not yeah. seventy two. Was seventy six. Yeah, um, I remember the sixty nil against Warrington as well. Yeah. They, they stuffed us, didn't they? And I think Leeds beat us fifty odd nil. Saints hammered us. London Broncos hammered us. Uh, who else? Bradford beat us fifty two one. When Martin Fire dropped a goal, was one nil up. You had to laugh, didn't you, at them times? But you know, the, the one of the things that got me through those sort of dark times I mean you get through because you just go anyway don't you no matter what the score but was this Scarlet Turkey yeah it was around that time I used to buy it I've still, I've still got them all in my drawer at my mum's and even though we was crapping we used to get beat every week I used to come home and have my Sunday tea and then I'd sit in the front room with my dad and read that Scarlet Turkey and just laugh my head off because it sort of you knew you were poor and you were getting beat but you could laugh about it because you know you knew maybe one day things are going to get better and that's what, you know, seasons like we're having now, it makes it all worthwhile, really. You know, you live through the, the, the crap times and that when you 
you start you get a bit of a good run. You enjoy it a bit more, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. I like say 2002 sat on the sort of the 20 meter line with me head in my hands, and you know when you look back then to where we are now, we're a totally different club, and you know it, it's great. Obviously, you know we're gonna we, we missed the Willows for what it was, and you know we could we have stayed there, but do you think Marwan Kukash would have got involved at the Willows? Probably not. So it would never have got to this situation. So it's just the kind of like the situation which we found ourselves in. We made you know good of it, I think. And uh, people will miss the Willows, but we're, we're just trying to take that little bit of Willows to the uh, to the AJ Bell Stadium. I think we're kind of starting to do that with the you know the the, the, the uh, pre-match stuff and you know the club being engaging with with the fans and the in the tent and that. And you know I think it's you know lots of uh, positive uh, memories to come uh, at the AJ Bell Stadium. Well, I think I think Friday's going to be one of them, Rob. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere on Friday, just going off what Hulk Air are going to bring as well with the desperate situation there. And, and us going for like, well, maybe second or third place, I think Friday night's going to be a special atmosphere. And I'm hoping there's going to be a big crowd. I'm sure there will be because you know, we're buzzing at the moment, aren't we? Our supporters seem to be buzzing and there seems to be a real sort of belief. And I remember like on Friday night coming into the ground there, the amount of people I spoke to about... Know the the Leeds game and the anticipation and everyone was dead confident. And I've never seen people that confident. You're know, going to Edinburgh as what they were on Friday. And the buzz, the energy that people created was was fantastic. And if we can take that into an home game now, I'm sure we will do. Friday night's going to be a great night. Yeah. Uh, final bit of news, Paul. We drew out our winners, didn't we, of the shirts against uh, Leeds? Um, yeah. Ian Jackson and Phil Higgin uh, were the people who, who were lucky enough to get drawn out. Um, so if you're listening, lads. Um, get in touch with us and we'll organise this uh, the shirts for you. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. Obviously, you know, two lucky lads there getting two shirts. Yeah, they've just gone off to the club. Emma's took them at the club actually. She's getting them signed up as well for them with the autographs on. So uh, yeah, well, what we'll do is Rob, I think we should tag the two lads on on Facebook. We'll tag them just to make them aware because if they miss this week's show, we'll, we'll just make them aware of it, what they've won, can't they? And uh, if we don't see them at the OKR game, I'm sure we'll see them in the playoffs. So. Or before before the start of next season, but well done, lads! Congratulations. Yeah, so that's all the, the big news uh, coming out of the club this week, Paul. And next up, we're going to look at the amateur scene with yourself in your amateur report. Well, here is this week's Devil in the Detail Amateur Report and we shall start off this week as we usually do with the National Conference Leagues. Quite a lot to get through. It's getting to that time of the season now where the playoffs are coming thick and fast. But in the Premier Division, Rochdale Mayfield, well, they're safe for another season. They beat Hunslet Club Parkside by 24 points to 20. 12 apiece at our time. A good result for Mayfield. It keeps them fourth bottom in the table, so they've got 13 points. Thornhill and Kells are second bottom and bottom respectively with eight and six. But a good result for Mayfield beating the third top side in Hunslet Club Parkside. They'll be playing in the playoffs this coming weekend so a good result keeps Mayfield safe in the Premier Division for another season moving on to Division 1 Saddleworth Range had a good win they beat Stanley by 34 points to 16 in Division 2 the promotion playoffs Wigan St Jude's play Crossfields and what a game this was it went to extra time it was 24-18 at half time Crossfields won it after extra time by 46 points to 42 so what a fantastic game that sounds also in Division 2 promotion players, Hull Dockers beat Barrow Island by 56 points to 18. In Division 3, Dewsbury Celtic 32, Waterhead Warriors 
26. And the fixtures for this coming weekend. Premier Division Elimination Semi-Finals Hunslet Club Parkside play Siddle and Thato Heath Crusaders play the Underbank Rangers. Losers in those matches go out of the playoffs. In the league, Rochdale Mayfield play their final game of the season. They're at home to Thornhill Trojans. In Division 3, Oldham St. Anne's play Wollstone Rovers. Waterhead play Eastmoor Dragons. And on Saturday as well, the 21st of September, the week after, these are the fixtures, the playoff fixtures. It's Wathbrow Hornets against West Hull in the qualifying semi final of the Premier Division. In Division 1 promotion playoff semi finals, Featherstone Lions play Wigan St. Pat's, Milford play Stanley, and in Division 2, the promotion playoff final between Hull Dockers and Crossfields. Well, swiftly moving on to the North West Men's League. quite a lot of no results this weekend just gone. But the results from Saturday the 7th of September. Division 1, Oldham St. Anne's A32, Halton Sims Cross 16. In Division 4, Caddy's Head Rhinos had a good win. They beat Runcorn by 32 points to 12. Garswood Stags 30, Saddleworth Rangers A31 and Bolton Met 6, Higginshaw 76. The fixtures for the 14th of September this coming Saturday. Haysham Atoms play Rochdale Mayfield A in the Premier Division. In Division 1, Ulverston play Oldham St Anne's A. Division 2, West Horton Lions are at home to Wigan St Pat's A. And in Division 5, Wigan Springview A play the Bolton Mets. Well, the Rugby Football League is close to confirming the teams due to contesting the 2019-2020 college season, which gets underway on Wednesday the 20th. 5th of September. The College League will comprise of a Premier Division, a North West League, two Yorkshire Divisions and a Southern League. The divisions are likely to be subject to a few tweaks and adjustments but these are either going to lie up. The Premier Division will be Hull FC, Furness, Halifax ERA, Hotwood Hall College in Rochdale, Huddersfield Giants, Leeds City, Salford Red Devils and Wakefield. In the North West Division it's going to be Carmel, Cowley, Priestley, Priestley uh, A, those are from Warrington Wolves, Runshaw, Salford Red Devils A, St John Rigby, the Rugby League College, Wigan and Lee, Wigan Warriors Education Academy and Wynn Stanley. In Yorkshire 1, it's Halifax ERA, Huddersfield, Hull FC, St Mary's, Wilberforce Sixth Form College and Wythe Sixth Form College and Halifax Academy. In Yorkshire 2, Casford Tigers, Greenhead, Hull Kingston Rovers Academy, Kirk Lees, Leeds City College A, Leeds College of Building, Pontefract, Selby, Wakefield and York Knights and the Southern League it's Bartholomew, Colne, Simoidi Academy I think you say I think that's where, in Wales so apologies if I've got that wrong and the Cooper School so that gets underway soon so we're looking forward to that and we'll keep you in detail with all that on the amateur report. Well, finally this week we turn our attention to the Women's Rugby League. There was quite a lot of action this week in all the all the three of the leagues. In the Super League, Sunday the 8th of September, St. Helens 20, Leeds Rhinos 20, Wakefield 4, Castleford 36, York City Knights 16, Featherstone Rovers 26. The fixtures for this weekend, Saturday the 14th of September in the Super League, it's Wakefield against Leeds Rhinos. Sunday the 15th, it's Featherstone Rovers against Bradford Bulls, St. Helens against Wigan Warriors. And on Tuesday the 17th, Castleford Tigers are at home to York City Knights. Castle currently top with uh, 12 wins from 12 games so far. St. Helens are currently second with uh, 10 wins from their 12 games. In the Championship, on Sunday the 8th of September, it was Huddersfield 18, Stanley 24, Lee Mine the Rangers 4, Warrington Wolves 32, Alton Redettes 18, Hull FC 14, and Witness Vikings 6, Barrow 25. There were some results from the week before, that was Sunday the 1st of September, if I didn't give these out to you, it was Hull 10, Witness 12, and Stanley 28, Lee Miner. Rangers ladies 4 and the fixtures for Sunday the 15th of September in the championship are as follows Barrow play Alton Redettes, Lee Minor Rangers play Huddersfield Giants, Stanley play Witness Vikings and Warrington Wolves play Hull FC in League 1 on Sunday the 8th of September Hulkingston Rovers 32, Cutsack 36 
The matches between Rochdale Hornets and Halifax was postponed. Whitley Bay Barbarians against West Leeds Eagles was postponed. And so was the Wigan St. Pats against Keithley Albion. The fixtures for Sunday the 15th of September in League 1 are Cutsyke against Whitley Bay Barbarians, Halifax against West Leeds Eagles, Hull Kingston Rovers against Keithley Albion and Wigan St. Pat's are at home to Rochdale Hornets. That's all your amateur news this week. I shall see you on Friday night at the AJ Bell for Salford Red Devils against Hull Kingston Rovers. Take care and have a good week. So that was your amateur report, Paul. Um, a big news actually in the amateur scene. Uh, Manchester, the Manchester Met University. Um, <laughs> Ryan Bar- Ryan Briley announced as Manchester Met's university's coach for 2019. I think it's a big oh, scalp. Great. Right? When was that announced? That I missed that today. For a couple of days ago. For the last couple of days. Couple of days right, ago. well, I've been, I've been, I did the amateur Monday, so um, I, I, I've missed that one, so that's news to me, but that's good news. Well, Ryan Briley's a good local lad, isn't he? And a uh, good player as well, so uh, yeah, that's great news. Yeah, obviously, keep, we'll keep our eyes open for, for the university. I know they're coming back out next week, so I'm sure they'll they'll start playing in a couple of weeks down the line. And, you know, there's some good quality players in that in both and all three of our local universities, Paul, and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll get some success uh, in 2020. Yeah, there certainly is, and College Rugby League returns soon as well. All your information in the amateur report there about the the college leagues and the Salford Red Devils, sort of two sides they've got there, and Hotbutt Hall as well, and all the other college teams. So it's going to be exciting, it really. It's going to be a really good uh, good season for the uh, the students and the amateur lads. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the amateur report. We'll uh, look forward to the Hawkins the Rovers game uh, on Friday. It's time on the double double So, Salford Devils are at home to Hull Kingston Rovers. Hull Kingston Rovers are in their own million pound uh, game, having to win at the AJ Bell Stadium to secure their Super League uh, status. We've got things to play for as well because we want to finish as high as we can in this. Uh, playoff lottery that we're about to go into Paul so it's going to be a fantastic occasion for both sides yeah it certainly is and on the other side of the coin you've got Wakefield playing London Broncos haven't you and that, that is a million pound game because the, the loser of that game game's in real trouble So, but there's, there's a lot of permutations really if London beat Wakefield London stay up but if Old Car lose they'll go down and Wakefield will stay up won't they so Old Car win and London win Wakefield go down so there's all sorts of conundrums isn't there and you've got Huddersfield there who, who could go as well so um, we just got to do our job, haven't we? And one guy I feel really sorry for is Daniel Murray. Daniel Murray's going to be in the whole KR side on um, on Friday night. You know, he's on loan from Salford. He's going to be playing there. How mad would this be, though, if London win and we beat Hulkingston Rovers, Hulkar get relegated, Daniel Murray gets relegated with Hulkar, but could he then come back and play for Salford in the playoffs because Hulkar's season's finished? So he could come back and play for us in the playoffs and win the grand final with us. So, has it ever been a player who's been relegated and won the league in the same season? Good question, Paul. A question, <laughs> a question that I thought you might know. <laughs> no, a bit of a fair, bit of a fairy story, but yeah, well, it is. It's you know, I mean, it's, the whole game's on a knife edge, isn't it? Because obviously, everyone's got something to play for, and you know, looking back to the million pound miracle, you know, we've got history, haven't we, with Old Kingston Rovers, uh, and I'm sure they won't want that repeating. 
No, no, they won't. But we should. Um, we've got a point to prove ourselves, Rob. We've, we've lost the last two games against Ulker. We beat them at their place early on in the season. It was about round five or round, round four. 24-22 and we come back really well in that game then we lost the, the Challenge Cup game to them and then a couple of weeks later we lost um, at the Magic Week so two really disappointing defeats especially the Challenge Cup game at the AJ Bell I thought it was awful in that game so uh, we need to uh, book our ideas up really and, and win this game You know, it's a, it's a massive game we can finish second in the league or second or third so you know, we need to, to be switched on and Hulk are from, from, from what I've seen of them have have sort of made hard work of it the last few weeks. They had, they had two home games against Wakefield and London, and you've expected them to, to win those games and, and be safe. They got absolutely bashed off, off Wakefield at home, and then they were beat in London last week and, and threw the game away in the last minute. So they've really sort of um, put put themselves in a, in, a, in, a, in an awkward situation now, where they've got to come and, and win to secure their, their status. I mean, obviously they can lose and still stay up, but it's going to be um, going to be a very nerve wracking eighty minutes and. You know, they, they, their captain Joel Tompkins is suspended as well. He got suspended for, uh, I think it's for striking or punching somebody in that London game. He actually appealed his ban, and I've just seen tonight that he's had it doubled now. He's got a two-game ban, so he won't be playing. So that's a blow for Oakington Rovers. Jimmy Kynos, their centre's injured as well, so they've got a couple of injuries and a suspension to contend with. Does does the million pound miracle does it affect them? Obviously, because of history, or obviously there's been a, probably a bit of a turnaround, haven't they, on on both sides? Or is it just more of a crowd thing? Will the anxiety come from the supporters rather than the players? Um, I don't think it'll affect the OKR players. I don't think there's anybody in the OKR side who played in a million pound game. I mean, we've got two of them playing for us, haven't we? Ken C and Adam Walker. Yeah. Who I think was Tyrone McCarthy at OKR. I don't think he'd left by then, aren't he? But um, Ken Seo and um, Walker played that day, didn't they, for OKR? So we've got them too. But no, I don't think that's going to affect Talkington Rovers. They won't be thinking about that. Um, I think they'll just be thinking they've got to come and and do a job, haven't they? So, um, so yeah, it's going to be going to be an exciting uh, eighty minutes. Definitely, it's, that, that's what it's all about. Though I think the Super League this season's been been so exciting. I mean, you're going down to the last game of the season, and every team has got something to play for. Barring Catalans, you know, they can't sort of finish anywhere now, can they? I suppose Leeds as well. Leeds are safe, aren't they? But you've got four sides at the bottom of fighting for survival and then all the sides at the top are going for positions in the playoffs and you know it's it's been it's been a thrilling season really and it's, the relegation battle's gone down to the, the last game London Broncos have won 10 games who'd have thought London have won 10 games at the start of the season some people had him not down to win a match so I think they've done tremendously well and you know it's going to be a, a really exciting uh, Friday night I think there's just the Wigan Castleford game on Thursday and all the rest of the games are Friday so it's going to be a super Friday night yeah well Iraqi was in our team and now we play for Oakington Rovers. Ah, he's okay, I know, yeah. yeah. yeah so there's, there's another one who was involved. But like, like you said, you know, for, for me, do, for the fairy tale, do, we need, we want London to stay up, don't we? Really. You know, to grow the game. You know, you, you want so you want a presence, don't you, in the capital. So you'd hope that London beat Wakefield. And then, if we beat OKR, how does that leave Wakefield? Wakefield's got a better points if it's an OKR. Have they? By a lot. So, uh, OKR's is minus 219. Wakefield's minus 124. So, yeah, it's miles different. like 100 right. different in it. So, Wakefield will stay up. OKR will go down. Right. So, yeah. So, I was thinking that... I can live with that, though. I can live with that on two trips to East, East Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, but to Wolverside. Yeah, but the thing is, though, with Rugby League, the, the whole derby is a big thing, in it? So, I know 
when we sent them down. Well, it's tough. They should have stayed up then. Fifty-two, <laughs> but I think that was half the problem with the million-pound medical. I think everyone was gutted that, the, well, not apart from us, but the world, you know, the rugby league bubble was was gutted that they'd lost the whole derby when really it should have been concentrated about um, um, great escape. But you know, what what would have to, for, for Wakefield to go down? Would all have to beat us? Is that is that the? Okay, have to beat us, yeah, right. yeah. By a lot, or by well, suppose it really matter, was it? Uh, really? No, just just beat us. If all KR beat us by a point, it won't make any odds because they'd have twenty-two points. Right. So um, Huddersfield would have to win as well. If Huddersfield lost, they Wakefield's got the better points difference out of all of them by about a hundred. So right. Wakefield are probably the favourites to stay up, really, and they're at home, aren't they, to the bottom side? So you mm. would say Wakefield are probably with the bookies are probably one of the favourites to stay up, but you, you can't tell, can you? I mean, who'd have thought London would beat all KR? I mean. I, I thought OKR was going to win that game, but as far as OKR are concerned, they, they've been pretty mediocre this season, haven't they? Spent quite a bit of money there and you know, signed, signed blokes in, haven't they? Danny Maguire and Josh Drinkwater and Joel Tompkins, and they've had a poor season, so if they if they finish bottom, they deserve to get relegated. Yeah, and obviously, we're, we're the team in form, you know, winning is becoming a habit. Um, you know, you're hoping the boys can continue to play uh, this way. Uh, obviously, pressure cooker atmosphere because it's all on all King's rollers to to do something to stay up. Um, it's interesting moving forward. Obviously, we need to stay. You need to finish as high as possible, don't we, Paul? Uh, really, to give us a you know a fighting chance to get to get to Old Trafford. Um, have you have you done your maths? Have you figured out where we need us to finish? To you know, if we win, we finish second. Is that the way it works? Um, I've not done the maths really. <clears throat> I'm just going to take it as it comes and see what happens on. On, on Friday night, then I'll plot our way to the grand final. But I don't really do stuff like that. I just take each game as it comes. I'm like, what? Oh, I have that philosophy. I always have done, whether I'm watching football, rugby, or whatever. So um, you know, just just see what happens. And I've not really sort of planned for next. I'm working next weekend, Saturday, Sunday, because I didn't really plan for the playoffs. So I, I, I arranged all my Salford's fixtures around my shifts at work, and then I've just panicked this week, thinking, why am I working next weekend? So. Uh, well, it won't be working. I'll be going to the match, but I'm presuming it'll be Thursday, Friday, won't we? We're on the in the playoffs and that. So no, I've not really really planned for this. So no, if we finish fourth, we'll be at home. We're to fifth place, and whatever happens, happens, doesn't it? So we'll we'll, we'll cross that. Let's just beat OKR okay first. That, that, I'm just thinking about this Friday. It's going to be a tough game. It is going to be a tough game, Paul. Have you got your um, weather weather uh, app ready? No. Nice. I believe a lady at work telling me today it's going to be a really nice weekend and. And nice next week, so perhaps we're going to get a bit of an Indian summer, as they say. So it's going to be sunny on uh, on Friday night, according to my phone. So I'm going to go for a for a nice dry night and a Salford victory. So no coat. Yeah, I'll put the coat on. Oh, you have like light coat, like a lightweight. Coat. I've got to wear my coat, Rob. I wear the same clothes every week. That's this is true. This is true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> um, so uh, give us your give us your score prediction for the game again. Salford, six. Wait a minute, let me write this down. What was that? Salford, 36. 36. Okay, 18. 36, 18. Is there a story behind this? Uh, no. No, just 36, 18. That 36, 18. I'm not that bold to go for try scorer than I last. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to go Salford to win. Uh, Salford... 24 Hall 10 24-10 and uh, to Ilola here 
uh, to score twice. Okay. Lala here. Twice. There we go. That's my prediction. Uh, well and it'll send all Kings and Rovers down. Good. Got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be a that'll be a will be a fascinating game. Looking forward to it. Uh, superhero day. Um, twenty twenties plenty. It's gonna be. Oh, you going as a superhero? What what superhero would you go as, Paul? Given a given a choice, what would be your superhero outfit of choice? I always used to like Banana Man. Yeah. Yeah, when I was at school, I used to like watching that. But I don't know. Is he really a superhero? Uh, yeah. Or Super Ted? I used to like Super Ted as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not as macho as the. Uh, is the ones these days, the what are they called now? The not Power Rangers, what's it? The Avengers or Avengers, something. Yeah. Avengers, yeah. I don't really know. I'm not that well up on superheroes. Yeah, banana man, you don't, don't see him knocking about much, do you? No, yeah, no, a case year old used to look at. Yeah. Not to go and knock on. I don't know what he's doing. But yeah, it's uh I think I'd go with Spider Man, something like that, or the Hulk, maybe. Um you know, I'm not I'm not I'm just a standard superhero, Paul, you know. Not I mean, Superman. Yeah, standard. Oh, Superman. I think yeah, Superman had powers in it. So yeah, he was a superhero. Batman. He's not. He's not really a superhero, is he? He's yeah. a bit dark and mysterious, old Batman, isn't he? Yeah, but he didn't. He, didn't, he, he was all contraptions and like gadgets, weren't he? Really. Yeah. He didn't have yeah. any powers. A bit like Inspector Gadget. He was. He wasn't like a. He was not. He wasn't a superhero, was he? He just had. He was like a half man, half robot, wasn't he? Yeah, like he was a bit like Chris and Innie, wasn't he, with big long arms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Innie scores better tries and... Um, better gadget, yeah. Um, but yeah, looking Rem- forward... Reminiscing there, taking me back to my childhood days of watching telly, right? Yeah, I started to watch, show me some, uh, you know, cartoons, uh, you know, like, that I used to watch, uh, like Rugrats. Um, what else did I watch? Rugrats. Um... Animaniacs, you ever, you ever watched that? Uh, I've heard that, I've heard that. I'll tell you what was on the other day in, in our house. Um, I think it's like remakes of it. Danger Mouse. Yeah. They've uh, they've remade Danger Mouse. It's different voices now. It's not, um, it used to be David Jason, I think, didn't it? And, uh, I think he did the voices of that Penfold and, uh, and Danger Mouse. So I used to like that. So, uh, so yeah, they, they all seem to come back now, these things, don't they? Yeah. I suppose that's what it is. DuckTales, another one. Uh, I used to watch Count Dracula. You used to watch that on a Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you a program I used to like. Just going off, I know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. Did you remember that program called Nightmare? Yeah. I used to wear the helmet and walk round and sort of you know, two steps forward, two oh, steps, and all yeah. that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> oh, what a great program that was! It was. It was. Um, Raggy Dolls, another one. Galaxy High. Uh, Tiny Toons, uh, the Hurricanes. You used to watch that football cartoon. Yeah, I used to like Children's Ward. Was Children's, favorite one, yeah. right? Children's um, Ward and Grange Hill, Biker yeah. Grove. Oh yeah, rolling back mm. the years. Oh, is it? Oh, but they I don't guess. make telly programs like that anymore, do they? No, they don't. It's all it's all like animated now. The old computer animated ones. Yeah, yeah, you can't beat a bit of, bit of British drama, can you? No, no, you can't. But yeah, that was a. Uh, and lovely Ghostbusters, that's another one. Yeah, you know, rolling back the years, rolling back the years, Paul, when we we're young and carefree. Watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was another one. Yeah, I remember that one. Brilliant. We'll have to yeah. devote a podcast to uh, 
childhood television yeah. program. Tweet, tweet us. Tweet us your favourite TV, uh, children's TV uh, shows or superheroes. We'll, we'll chat about them next week. And we'll chat about them next week. <laughs> so that's <laughs> it this week's uh, Devil in Detail podcast. Another great show, Paul. Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. You've, you've cheered me up after a miserable week at work. <laughs> yeah, didn't it? I say that. That's it's all about moving forward and looking forward to a uh, to, to Friday. You know, this is the kind of game, like you said, that you know, in the dark days when we were we were rubbish, you look you look forward and thought, you know, one day we'll be in a you know a, a you know a playoff uh, situation, and you know we're in the right side of one, and you know we, we are now. We're, we're, we're a club going in the right direction at the right end of the table at the end of the season, and you know. I say every week, how, how far can this team go? You know, we're going to be at sea, aren't we, in the next few weeks? We certainly will, Rob. It's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting journey wherever it ends now, but no, I'm looking forward to Friday. I can't wait. Yeah. So, big thanks for tuning to this week's uh, Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Brian Parkson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at DITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Radio Contact. So, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Day. Live. Radio contact.